Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show where all the conversations sound like a diagnosis. My name is Christy. And my name is Illumide. And this is the Big Empty Purse Podcast. The way I see it, right, you have to pick one struggle. If you're not attractive, you have to have a really good personality. You can't miss both. I'm getting canceled for saying that, but I, I, stand, by, I, st I stand by what I fucking said. So, Lumide, what have you been up to since the last episode? I have been outside. Outside is what I've been up to. Today yes. is Wednesday, and this is the first day I haven't been outside since Friday. Every oh. single day I have been outside. When I tell you the exhaustion, is something else. <laughs> I want to say I love it for me, but that would be a bloody fucking lie. <laughs> uh, on Friday, I went out in D.C. I went out to dinner, and then I went to a new gay bar. It's like a dance club. It's it's the original quintessential gay club. What's it called? It's called, I think, Bunker. It's on U Street, if anybody's interested. Mm. And then on Saturday, I don't even remember what the fuck I did. I think on Saturday, I went to like the Natural Portrait Museum. Then I went to Farmers. First of all, the food at Farmers is just C plus at best, but we'll, we'll manage. Um, and then in between that, I went to Thai for lunch and I had drinks. It was the first time I actually went out to lunch by myself. Mm. Like no takeout. I sat because I couldn't take out. I was in DC. Where am I going to take it to? So I sat at the restaurant. Yeah. I ate. It was really relaxing. I sat there with my phone and my earpiece in watching the new Adam Sandler and Jennifer. Jennifer, what's uh, the girl from Friends? Jessica? Jennifer? Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston. Aniston. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was watching that, their new movie, Mystery, Murder Mystery 2. I was sitting there living my best life. It was so peaceful. And then <laughs> on Sunday, I think, oh, Easter. Sunday was Easter. By the way, shout out to everybody who celebrates Easter. He has risen and so has my price. <laughs> that, did I send you that meme? It's so stupid. It's one of those Nollywood memes. Anyway, yeah, I was out on Sunday <laughs> celebrating Easter. The allergies are back, my dear. They're oh, back. They are. They are. I woke up yesterday. My eyes were itching. My throat was... I could not breathe. And I was going through it yesterday. It's a little better today, but it's still struggling. The other thing I was going to say, I haven't consumed any content as I've clearly demonstrated since I've just been outside. <laughs> the other thing I was going to bring up is the thing that really pissed me off is I've been trying very much to avoid all the bullshit that's happened in politics, but... Two things that really have been upsetting me this week is the international report that says that I think China, Russia, and another country might stop trading their debts in the U.S. dollar, and they might do it in the Chinese yuan. And I don't know what that means for the U.S. dollar, but it's a change that hasn't happened since like the 60s or 70s. So that's going to be some form of reshuffling into like world hierarchy of currencies or something like that. So I know that's going to possibly cause a change. So of course, I'm thinking about that, although maybe I shouldn't, maybe everything is fine, who knows, but... Living in 2023, I know not to assume everything is fine. The second thing is this bullshit trans ban that the South is pushing. I don't know much about it, but I'm like, what the fuck? And it's kind of like a drag ban, but it's really just a trans ban if you think about it, because that's the only way they can enforce it. And that yeah. thing has me shook. Yeah, yeah. They just decided to go hard on all of the anti-trans legislation. Just, it's scary and awful yeah it's really depressing but like yeah. i was watching a thing on youtube and trixie had this video where she like broke down all the major concerns of what this is about and she started the video by saying for those of you watching this channel you're not my you're not the people i need to talk to anyway because if you are watching my channel you're not the demographic who needs to hear this because yeah. chances are if you're watching the trixie channel you're probably in favor of drag 
because why else would you be there right that's what she was saying she was saying that even she feels that as though her voice is mute at this point because the people who she would talk to to try to raise awareness or whatever they're the people who already are into drag so she feels like mm-hmm. is every like she's gonna say what she has to say and hopefully all of you who have family members who are you know making this legislature you could probably talk to them and try to make them understand why this is a problem essentially she was trying to chronicle what could potentially happen and she's saying how the fact that they start banning these drag shows means that a lot of these bars and clubs rely on that for business and then all your favorite gay bars they're going to go out of business so slowly but surely they're going to phase out any queer space that allows people who are queer to congregate just by virtue of the dollar because if they don't make any money they close so you'll have fewer and fewer and fewer until they completely just put a knife in the whole thing so for those of you who are not following this if you have any power whatsoever please make sure this thing does not become a thing because we are all going to suffer anyway Mm -hmm. moving on I started on a really positive note and I ended on a really shitty note, but what have you been up to since the last episode? I have also been out in the streets. The sunlight has been has been wonderful for the mental health. Every year it's like, oh, but like, oh, I'm just, I'm going through so much. And I am going through so much, but I'm like, I'm just going, I'm going through so much. Like, I hope I come out on the other side. And like, I just needed some fucking sunlight. Yeah. Like, I'm just an animal and I need to, apparently need some fucking sunlight. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I feel better, but I'm mad. I'm mad that that's all it took to feel better. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've been so happy these past few days, like 10 out of 10, just because I've been outside. I know. That's great. But yes, I've been, I've been nothing of like a real note, but I've been out and about. I've done, I've done trivia. I've done karaoke. I've done hey. many, a, many a, a social thing. I did a I did a clothing exchange with a bunch of friends. Basically, we just all got together all of the clothing we wanted to like get rid of and would have given like donated anyway, and mm-hmm. all got together and went through each other's stuff to see if there was anything we wanted of each other's stuff, and then took all of the rest of it to donate. Oh, that is such a cool idea. That is so yeah. nice. Oh. Yeah, it was great. I got some really good stuff, but also like left with way less stuff than I came with, and it was also like a good motivation to like actually go through my closet there's this like at the clothing exchange i tried on someone someone had like sent it like the person whose it was wasn't there but it's like this purple corduroy jumpsuit with like flared leg like zipper all the way up the front like <laughs> it's like it's really great but also just really unique and i tried it on and everyone's like ooh and ah uh, and like 90 percent of it fits great but like part of it was like just fit really funky and i was like i'd have to get that tailored like i'm not here to get a piece of clothing that's a project send right. it away And for some reason, everyone at this clothing exchange was, like, extremely passionate about me taking this fucking jumpsuit. (laughs) They would not leave me alone about it. They were, like, texting other people pictures of me in it. And they were like, she's going to leave this jumpsuit here. She's not going to take it. Like, she's not going to take the jumpsuit. I've got other people. Like, my phone is blowing up. People are like, why the fuck are you not going to take the jumpsuit? I was like, I don't want to go to a tailor. They were like, we're going to crowdsource tailor. I was like, it's not the money. I just don't want to take something to the tailor. (laughs) Oh, man. I I was eventually convinced. Forced? I don't know if it's forced or convinced. But do you have it? I, I do have it. I have not brought it to the tailor yet. Um, but when you do and you but, wear it, please send me pictures because I want to see this. I will. It's Thank excellent. You. Like I didn't I didn't not want it. I just didn't want a project. Right. Right. And that that's how the thing goes. But I'm also working fully remote again, which helps with my social schedule. Yes. I love that for you. Yes. 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 We moved out of one office. We're moving into another, but the new one is not ready yet. So we're fully remote until it's ready, which they're saying June. It's going to be much later than June. We like, so we like had a whole celebration the last day in the office. It was very like last day of school vibes, lots of like games, drinking, etc. Uh, and one of the like games was to bet which day we're going to come back into the office. So like <laughs> they just got like a calendar and you signed your name on the day that you think we're going to be back in the office. I said January and I thought I was going to be the most pessimistic. People had already signed up for February. Like... <laughs> <laughs> 
They know what's up. They know what's up. I'm I'm enjoying it, especially in the summer. I don't want to sit in a in an office in the summer. And I say summer, it's fucking April, but it's also like 80 degrees outside, so. I hope this year really is kind to us, as in none of that humid, extremely hot summer bullshit. Like, just keep it 70s, low 80s, no humidity all summer, because I will be living my best life. Like <laughs> I feel like you're setting yourself up for disappointment here. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I feel like I, I, have a, I have a few, I have a few warm weather trips planned so hmm. and by few i mean yeah. two so let me not play myself and I, that should be fun that should be fun yeah i have consumed a little content despite spending most of my time on the streets some of my friends turned me on to the show taskmaster have you heard of mm. taskmaster no i haven't what is it it's a british show and the concept the concept is genius and the execution is perfect like the, the show is so good so it's a british show they have other countries have done versions but it started there and there's like it's still running. There's like 14 or 15 seasons. There's a group of comedians. So every every season, there's a group of five comedians and they have to do tasks like random. Some of them are extremely elaborate. Some of them are like simple, but they, they're all designed to just make them do like hilarious, ridiculous things. And it's like the perfect, the way they designed the tasks, the show ends up being the perfect blend of like wordplay, humor and strategic thinking and also like physical comedy and just ridiculous. Th- like, it's so good. The editing on this is genius. Like the tasks themselves are funny and like some of them are more elaborate. There was another one that was like, make a music video for a nursery rhyme. <laughs> that, I need to send you some of these. They're so unhinged. Oh my God. <laughs> I need to get into this. I love that British humor. I don't like it, the way you've described it. I know it's not similar, but Remember the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah. <laughs> that was unhinged, but I'm sure this show. is in the same so vein. Yeah. Also the yeah. sketch show from um, A Bit of Fry and Laurie. That one is really old. Yeah. People won't get that one. Yeah, that one is really funny too. But anyway. That was huh. an excellent show. It's very funny. And the two hosts are very funny and have like great chemistry. The editing is good. Contestants are Would good. Would I know the host? The no queen? one. I don't think so. There's no one I've ever heard of. I think it's like one of the guys is like the creator of the show who I think writes all the tasks. And the other one I think is just like a show presenter, but I don't think he's particularly well known. All of the seasons, except I think the most recent one are on YouTube. So highly recommend. I've been having a blast with it. It's so funny. All right. Are we about to play trivia? Yes. Maybe the sunlight will improve our trivia skills too. I hope so. All right. Question number one. How many U.S. states are needed to ratify an amendment for it to become part of the Constitution? I'm remembering something like like two-thirds or three-quarters. Like, I think it's more than just, like, a half. majority. Oh, right, right, like, right. Yeah. Like, I think it's more than half, but I can't remember exactly how many. I'm going to say two-thirds. I'm going to say two-thirds. Because I have because you said right. it, and I like it, so. <laughs> I think that's right. If you, if you say two-thirds, I'm going to take three-quarters. There we go. I feel like one of those is like a sensible number. Right. I know it's, right. I'm almost positive it's more than half. Like, I don't think it's a simple majority. I also don't think it would be less than half because at that point, the minority yeah, would no. be picking. And also if it's a yes or no issue, there's no third option where we can split it. So it would be a loss right. anyway. Right. All right. I'm saying yeah. two thirds. You say three quarters. If we get it right, we'll, um, we'll keep going. Yeah. It technically says how many U.S. states, but we're going to go with a fraction because I don't want, there's no need to math like that. No, 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 it's not necessary. It is not necessary. Okay. How many U.S. states are needed to ratify an amendment for it to become part of the Constitution? The answer is 38 out of 50, which means we have All to right. do the math anyway. <laughs> Can you do that math in your head? I'm Three pulling forts. out my calculator. Hey, Siri. Alexa, what is 38 divided by 50? Yeah, three-fourths. You were oh, right. Yes, three-quarters. Ah, look what at this start. See? Look, the sunlight. It is saving our trivia. Question number two. What does kosher mean in Hebrew? The actual literal translation? Yeah. Uh, don't know. I don't either. Clean? Um, 
Might be clean. Yeah, because it's just like that set of rules of like what clean. Something that means close to clean or holy. Because I don't know. That's the connotation it's been used. Yeah. Doing something unholy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what popped into my head when I said holy. I'm so sorry. All right. Um, I don't know. Clean or holy. I, I honestly don't know any hebrew words i don't know that i do either i'm sure i know like a few but like shalom i don't i guess okay yeah yeah sure things like that but i don't know what challah means. i don't know <laughs> let me just stop let me just not get myself canceled on this podcast. <laughs> i don't know i'm gonna say clean slash holy what do you say i'm just i'm going with your guess i don't have another guess i'm panicking okay uh untainted or un- untainted un- i'm trying to think if it's like like acceptable or like rule following or like something like that i feel like there's a better word for what i'm trying to say but like something like that i'm saying something like acceptable or allowed mm. um, right 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 because that's more of yeah maybe. that makes sense so let's see what does kosher mean in hebrew it means proper so you're right i feel like i'm right i feel like that's in the spirit of what i was saying no you're right you're definitely right Yes, kosher salt is sort of just a, a name that stuck around because it was used, it was the type of salt that they used to remove the blood from meat. So it was actually called koshering salt, as in oh. like salt used to make something kosher. And then the name just sort of stuck and got shortened to kosher salt. So like most kosher salt, like kosher salt is like an understood thing now cooking wise, which usually means it's not iodized. But it, some kosher salt apparently is not even actually kosher. See, that's huh. what I mean. The why gets lost when we just keep doing stuff. Well, we got that point right. So I'm happy we're we two did. out of three. Let's even get three out of three. Question number three. Snoopy from the Peanuts is what breed of dog? This is all you, my dear. I don't know any good dog breeds. <laughs> First of all, it doesn't look like any breed of dog. <laughs> it's like fucking cartoon. Um, he doesn't. Like, he really truly doesn't. Yeah, I feel like I heard once that he's supposed to be a beagle. He doesn't look anything like a beagle or is and isn't colored like a beagle. He does have the long ears. So, like, maybe that was right. Or maybe someone just told me something very wrong. For the sake of the argument, I hope for us to get three out of three that this person who told you that is right. If they're not, I will show up to this person's house and beat their ass. I don't know. I yeah, couldn't I even guess anything. Like, I don't have a, I don't have any answer because I don't know anything about dogs. I don't know. That, like, a dog, like, Snoopy does not look like any breed of dog. So I don't have a better answer than Beagle. All right. We'll go, we'll go with Beagle and I will second your answer. Snoopy from the Peanuts is what breed of dog? The answer is Beagle. Three ah! out of three, baby. Yes. Oh, my God. We got all we are, three. We're on a roll. We are on a fucking roll. We this is a good are. sign. This is a good sign. It's a very good sign. I should play the lottery. Yes. This is so exciting. I love this for us. So, the topic we'll be discussing today is pretty privilege. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> do, I guess we have to do a quick book report because priv- <laughs> this is going to take a while. <laughs> pretty privilege or beauty bias suggests that the conventionally attractive people in society benefit because of their looks, mainly because pretty people are perceived to be more confident, better people, which is another effect of Halo, meaning if you see somebody who's pretty, you assume that they are good people. And then they deserve all good things, which we know is not true. And I was reading this earlier today. Apparently, if you go to the higher ranked or quote unquote better schools, they tend to have a more attractive student population than other lower ranked schools. And somebody, I don't know how they did the research or whatever. They were saying that this is attributed to the fact that those beautiful people have had opportunities presented to them their whole lives which they've, again, repeatedly, rinse and repeat, taken advantage of to get them into such a space. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a single, hey, the admissions committee saw that they were pretty and let them in. Because a lot of times, these people get admitted without anybody knowing what they look like. 
Mm-hmm. But you do get admitted based off of like your track record and stuff like that. So if that track record is based off of people giving you opportunities that you take advantage of, more than likely, most of those people would be pretty people. Yeah. It's like pretty wild and also, unfortunately, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's also on the other flip side, in terms of punishment and penance, most pretty people who for the same crime and the same judgment, they get more lenient sentencing, like less jail time, uh. which is wild that halo effect is something real man brains love taking shortcuts there's a book called thinking fast and slow excellent book really highly recommend it talks about how like your brain wants to like your brain can sit and figure something out and like think about it in a nuanced way but it doesn't want to if it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. so if it can think of a faster way to do something it'll do that and one of the ways it does that is by like if there's a question you need to answer if there's an easier question it can substitute for it Mm. it'll do that so like your brain like is this person a good person is a complex question but if your brain can replace it with like is this person pretty that's an easy question to answer and brains do shortcuts like that like completely unconsciously and it leads to bias like this and lots of types of bias because because your brain is lazy. <laughs> but the thing is, I feel like we can have a whole nother episode and topic where we talk about why it is that most people don't even bother addressing these biases. Because a lot of people will go their entire lives without, they will live all the way through death and never once admit, acknowledge, or even rectify their biases. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. So right. I guess a, a jump off point would be, on the flip side, is there such a thing as beauty penalty? <laughs> because if there's pretty privilege, it would stand to reason somebody could argue that there is beauty penalty no i don't think so i mean like maybe like i'm sure there's like slight like discrete examples of it but systemically like no Mm-mm, right it's like there's some reverse racism bullshit <laughs> that's that's exactly my fucking point uh yeah i don't i don't think on a base level that beauty penalty exists i do think however that there are instances where and it is rare and it's usually a backlash from people who do not appreciate the relative ease with which pretty people achieve success and what i mean by that is if you see somebody who's pretty who's doing well for themselves and you think that person doesn't deserve their success, if you specifically have an issue with that, you may go out of your way to penalize them for it. Mm-hmm. Which, for instance, the the beautiful woman who's a scientist, you'll think she's she didn't get there in her own marriage. She got there only because she's pretty. Which, not to say that her beauty did not help her along, but it also does not mean that she isn't intelligent in addition to the beauty. So that kind of thing. So you'll just discount anybody's success or hard work if they're pretty. So, oh, she's just fucking pretty. But... Is there anything that you as a person are going to do about it? Like if the rest of the world is going to treat them as good people because they're pretty, yeah, you're one instance of you not liking them overall, write it off as a 10% loss, but the 90% is still a gain. So it doesn't mm-hmm. exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But the, but the pretty privilege itself definitely does. And it shows up all over the place, mm-hmm. all over the place. Like not just in fields where it's like, quote unquote, like relevant, like dating, but like, yeah, like you mentioned, like workplaces, academic settings, like things that really where it should have no bearing at all, but like... Right. Yep. I don't even think this is fair, nor do I think it's it's a usual thing, but people will be like, oh, you must have had an easy life because you're beautiful. And the problem with that is, it could be true if that person has always been beautiful, but if that person has not always been the... Conve- you know what I mean? If you haven't always been mm-hmm. the conventionally attractive person, maybe you haven't had an easy life, and then suddenly mm-hmm. something happened, puberty happened, or you lost some weight or you did something you got a bbl i don't know you now (laughs) are perceived as beautiful and of course so that i think is also that could be but you know what i'm saying it's not just because of oh 
a throwaway statement. It's because something changed somewhere along the way. So how does beauty bias manifest in the queer community? The queer community is very diverse these days. Yes. And I don't say that as a read. I just say that as from the times when I identified as part of the queer community right now, the it's and I, for, for the better in most cases, not in all cases, but in most cases for the better. And I think that I think in the queer community, there is a stricter, especially let me not say for the queer community as whole. In the gay community, I feel as though there is a stricter standard of beauty than at large in general. I don't know if the gay people of the world will agree with me, but this is the case. You, if you are a regular straight five, you are a gay too. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, it's so, 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 so different. I also think that, especially for trans people or people who are non-binary, people who don't present necessarily as their gender identity, it's brutal, man. Yeah. Like for especially for people like trans women, yeah. somebody will really be mean or even aggressive or belligerent towards them because they don't look like what you'd expect, you know, and I'm just it's downright dangerous sometimes. So I'm just like, yikes. But no, I think the, 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 the beauty bias does manifest in the queer community in ways that is very <laughs> pun pun intended ugly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting because like. I mean, this applies to pretty privilege across the board is that like beauty is cultural, like it, mm -hmm. it's tied to cultural norms. So like not every culture has the same standards of beauty, which I think we'll talk about later. But like in queer culture, like I'm only really familiar with like queer culture in America, but like it's obviously heavily influenced by American culture and what Americans consider beautiful. But it also has like its own standards, like some of which are like those standards, but amped up and other ones which are like purposefully subverting those standards but not in like a radical great way but in just like a different way of like also holding people to yeah a weird standard and there's also so much like signaling with appearance in the queer community that like like i hear all the time about like traditional femme looking women like it, it's like a weird like people don't see them as queer in a like there's a like queer mm. femme way to be pretty there's a different image of like a really beautiful like queer woman <laughs> and it's not it's not exactly the same thing it's good it's bad i do think the gay male community is intense it is the ghetto. <laughs> i was watching this tiktok the other day of this <gasps> now when i say gay men who are femme presenting their dating chances and by there i add myself to that group because there there are levels <laughs> right there are levels to be femme presenting and mask presenting, and I don't think I fall way on the spectrum of the mask presenting. I was watching this TikTok of this femme presenting gay guy, and he was saying how he had caught feelings for a mask presenting person, and he eventually got heartbroken because it didn't work out. And it turns out that this person then had to face their own biases. Why did you need validation or feel desperate for the acceptance or even affection of a masculine man? And why is it that that's your type? Why don't you as a femme person also like femme presenting men? Mm. And they're like, at the end of the video, like, look, I ain't got the time, effort, or money to go to therapy to unpack this. So right now I'm just going to be single. <laughs> but that's essentially what it is because a lot of the masked people in the gay community also want masked people. And sadly, mm. the femme people in the gay community don't want other femme people. Yeah. So it's just, when I tell you, it's the ghetto. <laughs> I don't understand why we are. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we have internalized our own homophobia so much and so deep that mm. we can't uncouple appearance from it. It's, yeah. it's, we can have a whole topic where I try to arm psychology my way through this bullshit, but it is very <laughs> thick and very dense and there's so many things wrong with it. Yeah, and I agree with you with like any kind of like trans, gender fluid, non-binary people, like there's a lot of pressure for them to present a certain way. Like yep. a trans woman like should 
present like a pretty cis woman. That's the, the, like what people expect and anything less than that is like, even if it's like a gorgeous person, they're like, oh, but you're supposed to be a woman. So like, you're supposed to look like, mm. Not all, that's what I'm saying, but it's, it's weird. And the reason why that's problematic is not even all cis women present to the, that <laughs> beauty standard. So yep. where are we going with this? There's even now because like things are, because things are the way they are. Like, I feel like non-binary folks are enough in the like cultural conversation that there's now even like pressure to look non-binary in a certain way, like a certain like standard of like androgyny that mm. like, that non-binary people are also held to because oh. we can't have anything nice. We like can't. <laughs> Christy, I saw this TikTok that I laughed at and I had to check my own bias and be like, Illumina, you are going to hell, you raggedy bitch. <laughs> this person on TikTok was like, don't cancel me yet, but like, I've never seen a they, them, who's attractive oh, and i was like what? that is so fucking problematic i can be shady i know this but th somebody stitched that video and said oh honey you are just not looking in the right place and sadly and i have to say this because i've lived in the u.s for long enough to know what the beauty standard here is that person did not meet the beauty standard of the u.s mm. which is th why i thought that video was yeah. in irony proving the very problematic yeah. point of the first person yeah but i do think that oh, no. that statement in and yeah. of itself is so problematic because it's clearly not true i can yeah. point to at least 10 they thems who are knockout 10 out of 10 gorgeous mm -hmm. even with yeah. the american standard of beauty yes right so i'm like clearly that's not true but i do think that what they were trying to voice which is a thing where you know if, if you don't know where to place somebody then you judge them even more harshly harshly against the beauty standard and that's why mm -hmm. that statement is problematic Anyway, yeah. look, the whole thing is trash. Zero out of ten, but here we are living in this fucking country. How does pretty privilege manifest in dating? Oof. Yeah, big yikes. Big huge yikes. Yeah, <laughs> how does it not manifest? Like I feel like the whole the whole thing starts that way, doesn't it? Yeah, every I feel like every dating interaction starts in a place of like pretty privilege or lack thereof. Like mm -hmm. especially like. I mean, we literally like it, the dating apps. You literally just swipe. You like look at look at the pictures. Look at like one or two pictures, and you say yes or no, and like you know nothing about that person, <laughs> literally nothing. And I don't know about you. Like, there's definitely like it's not like I don't notice conventional beauty, and like there's you know parts of the conventional beauty standard that I'm more or less attracted to. But like for me, when I like become more like intellectually and emotionally attracted to a person, they become more physically attractive to me. Like they feel a lot more yes. physically attractive to me, but it like never gets to start in that or like rarely gets to start in that place because the like beauty is what catches your eye in the first place. So it's like a weird- like, It's trash. I, I, I'm yes. agreeing with you. And you know what's even worse is the, in I hate this word intersectionality, but I'll use it in this one instance, aging and beauty. Hmm. Because a lot of the beauty standards in the US is based on youth. We understand that. And I think yeah. one way that I've gotten to address this in my own life for myself is I've been a fair number of places where the beauty standard is vastly different from what is in the U.S. So I can appreciate people who fall in different beauty standards. Mm. So that kind of helps. Mm. But yeah. and however, <laughs> I am also very guilty of the fact that if I don't find somebody attractive in any of the beauty standards that I think are worth my while, I don't swipe right on them. Yeah. So again, yeah. this is my bias and I will own it, but am I going to fix it? No, because <laughs> you know what could, look, I will die on this hill. People are trash. You know what would suck is if you are busted and also your personality is trash. Because <laughs> when I tell you something, this is going to get me canceled probably. I have swiped right on people who I'm like, or maybe people who aren't to any of the beauty standards that I think are worth any while in my opinion. 
which again, problematic, I'll get canceled. And they approached me and I have to say, Illuminate, as an exercise in addressing your bias, you will drop that bullshit and go through and see what kind of personality this person has and so forth and so on. And then they have some of the rankest personalities you can possibly think of. <laughs> and I'm like, so why did I play myself? Why did I play myself? But um, yeah, it, do, it does happen that way. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I can unpack that. Maybe it's a problem with me, but I don't think so. Because the way I see it, right, you have to pick one struggle. <laughs> if you're not attractive, you have to have a really good personality. You can't miss both. <laughs> I'm getting canceled for saying that, but I, I, stand by, I, st I stand by what I fucking said. Anyway. No, I've seen people stay with some people with big yikes personalities and big yikes red flags because they think they're hot. I'm like... Oh, that does apply there, too. Uh, there's on, lots of hot people in the world. Like, just just don't. I think everybody has to be self-aware as to where they fall on the attractiveness scale in the country that you're in or the environment that you're in. You have to know what the beauty standard is and how you compare to that. And I think when you are dating, it's very unlikely, which is just unfair how life works. If somebody you're chasing is the 10 out of 10 knockout for that beauty standard and you are maybe halfway or three quarters of the way there, it changes the power dynamic in such a way that leaves room for the more attractive person to take advantage of the less attractive person. Mm. So yeah, if you are, if you're, true. but if you are going to embark on that and you know what that is, you have to tread very carefully, very carefully. So I think it's just easier for people to match the attractiveness that they are because on that level, at least that power dynamic is not, there isn't much of a difference, but also, Maybe there could be compensations, maybe money, wealth could be a compensation, maybe personality could be a compensation, other things could be a compensation, but I don't just think chasing beauty for the sake of dating is like the, it's not the end all be all. For those people who focus only on that, I think you, it's almost like the men who only want to date a baddie, I'm like, <laughs> we'll talk about that in another episode, but like that I think is big yikes, because what it takes to be a baddie most men can't handle that. <laughs> How does one navigate changes in beauty standards based on environment? I don't know. I do think that you have to be self-aware is the only thing. And wherever you are, you figure it out. Left to me, I would say, this is a very stupid statement, but move to the place <laughs> where you are the beauty standard, my dear. <laughs> I'm saying that as somebody who lives in the US and I'm not the beauty standard. <laughs> but, but yeah, and I, I don't know, I can just move anywhere else. But yeah, if I leave the US, and I go to Brazil or I go to anywhere in West Africa, I would be skewed higher in the point system of the beauty standard. Mm. In the US, I'm not. Yeah. Right? But I also don't think it's a matter. So it's two things. It's a matter of sh from shoulder up and the from shoulder down. Mm -hmm. From shoulder down, it's easier because that's something that for the most part, you can work on. You can do things. But from the shoulder up, if your face is not the most symmetrical, people, some places in the world having hairy face is more acceptable. It's starting to become more acceptable in the US, but in other places of the world, it's always been acceptable. Having more or less hair, having certain proportion of lips and nose to eyes, that kind of thing is different in the US. So if you move to a country or you visit a place where you're the beauty standard and then you come back to the US, you're kind of like, motherfucker, why did I come back? <laughs> yeah, because then like yeah. all the benefits and you know privilege that you get for being seen as attractive goes away the minute you come back. It's interesting because it's not really something like the beauty standards of a country is like not really something or not just a country, but any culture is not something you really have any control, control over. over. You just right. like can can know about it. And like, I feel like it's an interesting way to like see pretty privilege in action is to like go to different places where you are and are not the beauty standard. Right. I, I, that's what I was saying. I don't think I know how one would navigate that. I just think it'll make you more self-aware. 
and it'll help you be more compassionate. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But overall, I don't know that there is much you can do to navigate it differently. It's just, it is what it is. I can't, I can't go create a law and say mandate. I will now be the beauty standard in every place I go. I think there's nothing I can do about that. What happens or how does one navigate changes in their appearance that include or exclude them from the beauty standard? I think we touched on this earlier. Um. I mean, there's this this one gets into a lot of like how much people are willing to change themselves to fit that standard. Mm-hmm. There's things like there's a lot about this in like feminism of like there's some like really hardline feminists that are like if you're doing something that's like traditionally for like the male because also pretty privilege very tied into heterosexuality. But like if you're doing oh, something yeah. like putting on makeup, it's for the male gaze and like will look down on people who wear makeup. And other feminist train of thought is more like you know women should have feel. F- free in the choice to wear it or not wear it but it's all like inextricable from some like yes it, people can feel more free to wear it or not wear it and like choosing it should be free of that like but it's not like it's not like you get some privilege by wearing makeup like as a as a femme presenting person you get more privilege from like wearing makeup that makes you closer to the beauty standard like there's some aspect in which it's an individual choice and there's some in which by choosing not to you are giving up a privilege right. and like so like there's not there's not really like a a total free choice there and then there's like you know there's things like makeup but then you know people are willing to do things like plastic surgery and everything to like and sometimes like you could argue like that it's like literally worth it to do something like that yeah. <laughs> not like I'm not making a moral judgment but like I understand why people do it when i tell you if i knew that pl- some specific plastic surgery would buy me some guaranteed privilege and i could afford it sh- what the fuck like a lot of the people in Hollywood who have hair loss, like me, they take their mm-hmm. asses to Turkey and go get a hair transplant mm-hmm. because the next job that they'll book in the role that's going to pay their bills requires them to have hair. Mm-hmm. So they go do it. And I, I'm not fa- like, do what you got to do, my dear. And also, if somebody like especially trans women in Nigeria, where like being trans is absolutely like rare. Mm-hmm. If you get surgery to be the closest to femme presenting according to what femme looks like in those cultures, that makes you safe. Yeah. Because you'll certainly pass. So I get it. I'm never going to knock anywhere. If you want to put that makeup on, if you want to get that BBL, come on now. Just make sure it works for you. But do it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. No, it's good to like have the awareness of it and like and make it a conscious choice. But yeah, I, I can't fault anyone for doing it unless it makes you feel like shit about yourself. Like, because that's the thing is like some of those things really knock your confidence. And I feel like confidence has a lot to do with attraction and beauty too. I agree. So like sometimes people like try really hard to jam themselves into a certain beauty standard and it makes them feel unconfident mm. and like sort of takes away some of that effect anyway. But there's a song about this by TLC called Unpretty. Remember mm. that song? You can buy a hair if it won't grow. You can fix your nose if it says so. You can buy all the makeup the Mac can make. But if you can't look inside you, find out who <laughs> am I to. You'll be in the position that makes you feel so damn unpretty. Anyway, I do think that confidence, what you said, confidence is a really big part of attractiveness, but I think it is a bell curve Mm. because perceived confidence can also either A, be intimidating or people will find that in their own weird way offensive. (laughs) I'm not the prettiest person ever, but you know what I've noticed is if I go out in a t-shirt and sweatpants and sneakers and I'm having a good time, more people will come say hello to me in a very genuine way. Mm -hmm. If I'm wearing the most unattainable stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I'm making sense. Like fashion and the beauty standard, there's a level where it's attainable and after that it's ridiculous. Like <laughs> wearing a fucking twenty five inch corset, six inch stilettos, 
you know, like looking like not any regular person will just wear this just on <laughs> their day about. Fewer people will come approach you to talk to you. And of the ones who come talk to you, the only reason they're talking to you is not to have an interaction with you, but because of the way you look. So their interaction with you is so either to compliment you or to be weird about, you know, I don't know how to say that. So yeah. yeah, there is a bell curve. After a while, it stops benefiting you. But does that mean you should yeah. stop? No, you have to squeeze into that 25 inch corset, my dear. <laughs> do what you gotta do. Um, yeah, because again, half of the, some, of, some of it is just how you feel about yourself. It doesn't have to be exa exactly how people receive it. If you're, if you're having a good time with it, please push it to the limit. All right, let's talk about pretty privilege and the body positivity movement. The only reason <sighs> I put this on here is because I think the body positivity movement is, is a response to pretty, pretty privilege. It's kind of a way to mm -hmm. almost create more versions of pretty than just a narrow one. Sometimes it does a disservice to the whole movement altogether. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, I'd say the body positivity movement, like, net has had a good effect mm -hmm. on, like, widening people's definition of what's pretty and, like, increasing the representation of different, like, body types and different, like, all types of different types of beauty. Like, I think, I think on the whole, it has been, it became enough of a thing that, like, companies and, like, models and, like, everything responded to it. And, like, that is actually how you, like, sort of change these things. But they're still, it's still so narrow. Like, mm -hmm. some of it will be like, oh, so now we... We support like plus size women and people will be like, oh yeah, I love a curvy woman. And in the meantime, like the curvy woman is like still a size less than like the yeah, average woman like in the United six. States. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, so it's like, oh, okay. So you like now find pretty like a slightly larger range of sizes, which are all still thinner than most women in the country. Like you're good. It's still, there's still, it's not like it's deconstructed the whole thing. <laughs> right. And in terms of for men, a lot of the beauty standard in men is skewed to or tight. It's weird. I don't yeah. get it. I'm five foot seven. For those of you who've never met me, I'm short for a guy. Some people tell me, "Oh, you know, you present taller than um, five foot seven. I was like, "Fucking thanks." That to me, that sounds like a fucking insult. Because what's wrong with being yeah. five seven? But yeah, I understand what they're saying. It's almost like you have audacity to be the way you are, even though you're five seven. And I'm like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Of course, I have audacity. Why wouldn't I? But yeah. yeah, it's but for men, I think it's it's really easy you could you could make zero effort and be six foot three and everybody's gonna think you're attractive it's true so that concludes our episode on pretty privilege thank you so much for joining us you can find us on twitter instagram and tiktok at big empty purse tweet us message us let us know what topics you'd like to hear us cover in the future next time we'll be talking about boundaries that'll be an adventure <laughs> until then good luck <laughs> <laughs>